0: So welcome to another show. Today we have Christina Rivera on who's a financial consultant, author and podcast host. So welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me this wonderful morning on my part. I know it's a little later in the UK. Yeah,
0: it's about five hour, four, five hour difference.
1: Yeah, I think so. I traveled to England many years ago, stayed in London and Kent for about a week. It was awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, with with everywhere, like every country has got, a, it's got their pros and cons, and it tends to be that when you visit somewhere, you see it in a much better light than you do when you live there. Yeah.
1: I was like, it- oh my gosh, I could stay here so much longer. It was awesome, especially going to Kent because I, I at the time was living in New York City. And this is what we're going to go into in my, in my book, I, uh, my crazy young adult life in New York City. But, you know, London was like going into another New York with a different accent, sort of. But when I went into Kent, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. And it's, you know, hilly, green and beautiful. It was it was just amazing. And we stayed in a 700-year-old um, convent. My friend knew someone in a Catholic church there. They hooked us up. And so we stayed in this amazing you know um it looked like a tower and we had to go up these like stone steps all the way to the very top you look out and in the morning i saw this beautiful lake with geese and swans it was like and like i was in a fairy tale i am compared to living in new york city it was just amazing
0: yeah kent is actually nicknamed the garden of england i believe because i'm not going to bore you too much with the geography but if we look at the uk the prevailing wind and the rain comes from the west so across the atlantic ocean and it hits the west hand side of the uk so the west of the uk is very very wet and obviously the more north is colder so actually kent is in the ideal location for good weather so it's east which means that it's away from the rain and it's southerly as well which means that it gets a lot of a lot of sun for, for the uk so it uh, it's known as the garden of england it's very green very beautiful but as you said, with the history as well, very historic properties here in the UK. Um, I mean, even I live in a 100-year-old property. In 1899, it was built. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's I think that's one of the positives of, of, of England in, in that respect. But
1: yeah.
0: moving on to, to your background then, before we talk about um, your books, um, et etc., mm. where did you start then? So you've obviously been a financial consultant. You're now an author and a podcast host. How did that all gel together? And just a quick side note. I love those three because I'm also basically i I'm a financial advisor, I'm an author, and I'm also a podcast host and guest. So, so yeah, I'd like to hear about your We journey. have a lot in common. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See if there's any similarities, really.
1: Yeah, and it's funny. I fell into the whole financial world completely by accident because in right out of high school, I got my first job in a mailroom helping out doing copies. In a law firm mailroom, and one day they said, "Hey, we need some help in the accounting department. Can you help us enter some bills?" I said, "Okay." So I stayed late, entered the bills, and it turned into a week project. Which then I said, "Show me more about this accounting stuff." I I ended up coming, learning, and I applied it to my next room, um, my next resume, my next um resume when I went looking, and so that led me to my new job later on that was in accounting, and it kind of grew from there. Um, but years went by and I think it was 2011, no, 2008 or 2009, somewhere around there. And my first, last four jobs uh, in corporate then at that time had kept laying us off and saying, oh, we have to get rid of you. You know, we're, we're having, you remember, I don't know if you recall in the US, we had a real downturn in 2008. A lot of businesses were laying off. So by the fourth time, I was like, I can't do this again. I can't look for a new job. And it was my boss that said, why don't you try doing this on your own? I think you'd be very successful. You've been a great employee, but now you could do things on your term and I'll mentor you. So uh, he became my mentor. I started C-Cubed at the time and started going out there and working for my ex, actually my my clients were my ex-co-workers, um, not co-workers, but my ex-jobs hired me as a the consultant and uh, it was cheaper for them because they didn't pay me for Benny's um but that's how I got started and and then later came the podcast uh, also clearly just to as a mistake or or accident to t- kind of promote what I was doing in the new business world and that it just exploded within 6 months 45,000 listeners a year 77,000 listeners and now it's whole other entity and loads of fun
0: yeah i think 2008 was um, obviously the layman's brother situation wasn't it the subprime mortgage crisis which obviously, yes. stock market crash, businesses laying off staff, and actually took a lot of courage from your part to actually in that in that situation start on your own. Um, yeah. I think that's a real positive attitude to have. You know whether you've got a mentor or not, and actually the fact that you had a mentor or have a mentor mm-hmm. is a real positive because it shows that look, I'm willing to to take advice from someone more experienced than me in order to mm-hmm. succeed it's not a bad thing you know we all use google we all read books we all mm-hmm. um read like reddits and cures to get information and apply that in the right re- in the right way and i think that that is sometimes frowned upon saying oh well actually you just learned from this person or you just learned from that mm-hmm. person but actually that's the intelligent thing to do isn't it surely you then moves on to oh, podcasting. it was. sorry go on
1: well, I was just going to say it was, and I even uh, hired another mentor to work with me on the business side, because as you know, uh, doing this as an employee, then switching to doing it as now I'm a business, uh, you got to show up in a different way for people. Um, usually you just punch in, punch out. You don't think about work if you're an employee at nine to five, past nine to five, but if this is your business. This is your name on the line, and you've got to come in there with a different mindset. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. Important. And it's a it's a brand. You know, you are your own brand, whether it's, as you said, the financial consulting, whether it's the books that you're writing, whether it's the podcast that you're you're hosting, whether it's being on the guest on this on this show, what you say and how you deliver yourself comes across as part of your brand. And that's yeah. really important. Yeah. You know, if you want to build your value, something I sort of spoke about in my first book. In order to become successful and earn money, which obviously is something that everyone wants to do you need to provide value first. And how can you do that? Is it through mm-hmm. uh, um, education? Is it through entertainment? Is it through just your own authenticity? Yeah. What, where does that come from? So mm-hmm. the podcast, and again, very a lot of similarities to me really, and this is why it's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. I started to be a guest on podcast shows in order yeah. to talk about my book and the the <laughs> benefits of what I was suggesting in the book. And from there, I actually started talking about other topics on other shows. And after a while, I thought, actually, why not make my own show? So, can you talk a little bit about your journey? Because it sounds, in some respects, yeah. fairly similar to that journey.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny, Jeeps. I was uh, totally knew nothing about podcasting world or what the heck of a podcast, but it was my friend. I had just started my consulting business and my friend said, Hey, check me out. I'm going to be on blog talk radio later. I was like, what the heck is that? She's like, it's internet radio. I'm going to be a radio star. I'm like, what the heck is internet radio? But anyway, I checked out her interview and she did a great job. It was a great interview, but while she was being interviewed, a, a voice inside of me, a small said, you need to do that. And I'm like, what? Interview people? So it seemed absurd to me. But I went back to my mentor and I said, hey, what do you think? Uh, I saw this, my friend on a, on a podcast and, and I had this feeling that I should do this sort of thing. And she's like, you know what? Go with it. See where it takes you. You might be able to use it as a marketing tool for your new consulting business. Well, I launched it. Uh, first, I practiced on a few friends to get the hang of it, feel comfortable with it. Um, But I quickly found that I had an affinity for and kind of a talent for connecting with people. And in very short order, I think, as I mentioned a little bit before, is six months later, I had 45,000 listeners, didn't try, didn't really promote it. And in a year, 77, after a year and a half, 300,000, it kept Growing, um, so it wasn't look. I wasn't even trying to build it, and it just kind of exploded. And um, then I met a wonderful group. I don't know if you know them. You might want to check them out. AMFM two four seven. Um, a friend of mine, Emma, had an idea to start tr- mixing podcasting and transistor transist trans. How do you call it? You know, like normal radio. So what she would do is find awesome podcast and she called me up and said hey we're going to start this thing we're going to go to radio stations we're going to buy them out small radio stations and we're going to have exceptional podcasters come and fill the slots so it'll just like be you're on actual radio um it doesn't have a long reach but we're going to buy several stations over the years and uh, then you can build your platform in another way um on radio so they um, had me free of charge the first six months, and it really helped me grow even further. And uh, yeah, so if you ever want to check them out, AMFM two four seven, they're a phenomenal group.
0: Well, I think there's a couple of things that you said that are really important for people to understand. Mm-hmm. The first is at the start of that, you know, that that little section there, you said that you heard a voice in your head that told you mm-hmm. to do something. I'm a very strong believer yeah, that. Possible we the voice in our head helps us to navigate directions that we should be going in and i don't know about you but when we get those suggestions from our unconscious mind whether it's people call it the universe god whatever it's in your it's it has a certain level of clarity and you just know that that's the right answer you know that's the truth you know that's what you need to do there's no There's no looking at spreadsheets and working out if that's a good move. You just yeah. know that that's the direction you need to go, and it's it's the heart over the head situation. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing. The second thing I th- um I think is important is that you said that when you're starting out, you're not going to charge anything. I think mm-hmm. it's really important to do things for free first to show the value yeah. that you bring drug dealers know all about this they give you the first one free show you the product and so then you come back and that's there then a customer and i know that that's not necessarily the best example but it is an example that people could maybe resonate with i'm not sure what what are your thoughts on both of those points
1: well it, it's very true when you talk about getting that inclination I, I call it a voice from my heart it didn't feel like from my head it just felt like this deep pull it was like an electric charge I don't know if you have ever had that experience where it was like zhoom. I was like and it felt absurd to me because I'd never done something like this I don't speak to people if people knew me in the work environment I was quiet 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 unless I'm talking to friends so the idea of doing this sounded absurd um but that's why I think sometimes when you get those inclinations those divine inclinations to go with it no matter how scary it is because that's where I think your biggest growth can come from
0: yeah, absolutely. I think that for me anyway, I think we are um, like breeds, breeds of dogs in some respects, like certain dogs are there to protect, certain dogs are there to run long distance, certain dogs are there for moral support, certain dogs are there for, you know, just retrieving things. And I think humans are very similar. We are all the same species, but we have different things that are, right for us to do and we need to find that out and work out what it is that we are trying to trying to do in life so you've obviously done the podcasting stuff you've you've obviously started your own uh sort of business in in financial consulting with a mentor and off the back of being employed mm-hmm. you also write books so do you want to talk to me yeah. about the books that you that you've written
1: yeah, yeah, I'll go right there. But I also didn't answer your second question on should you charge or not? And I had the perfect, Um, my mentor had told me this. Uh, she had basically said, you know, I got started and I was doing collection agency work. And uh, no one knows who the heck I am. Businesses didn't want to talk to me. So I said to them, hey, listen, I walked into their business and said, listen, I've been doing this for 15 years. I'm amazing. Give me the accounts who won't pay you. You've already written them off because you feel you're not getting the money. If I get the money for you, you pay me 10%. That's it. And so she, they really had nothing to lose. It was a a win-win for everyone. So she did that. And that is how she got her first couple of clients. So she said, see how you can add value first, walk in there and see how you can give them something without saying a dollar amount up the front, but see how you can add that value. and, And when they see your value, that will work dividends and them wanting to work with you. And and I have clients from that time period where I did that work for them that they're still with me 15 years later.
0: Uh, absolutely. You have to be willing to give the value up front. Mm-hmm. That that's 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 half the half the trick, half the battle, I think. Um yeah. a lot of people have the wrong attitude, say, Oh, I'm not doing anything without being paid. Mm-hmm. Jim Rohn says it really eloquently, actually. He says people look for an above-average job the above-average pay without becoming above-average person. He says, look, if you were to give an idea at work that, that mm-hmm. yielded a million pounds, do you not think you'd get a pay rise? I think it would. Most people have the attitude of, oh, that's not my job. I'm not getting paid enough to, to think of that. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's the inverse. If you provide the value first, yeah. you then get paid more. And that's Good. a key differential.
1: That is so amazing. That is so true, Jeeves. Because I remember working at one of my favorite jobs. Uh, I had an amazing boss who saw talent and and rewarded them. And he said to me, I think I was in there a year. And what I had done is I walked in and said, I love to see problems and let's find solutions. So when I went in there, I didn't say, Oh, can I do these solutions or whatever? I just proactively went in there, How can I help? And one client in particular, After a year, it's a really big client, so I won't tell you the name, um, but they had owed bills of upwards of 100,012 bills and no one can get them paid. I'm like, what's the problem here? So they said, well, we need a number of ours, a reference number put on the invoices. So I went back to the people who did the invoicing. I said, what's the problem here? And they said, well, we can't do that because there's not an extra column in the system for us to add that number they want. And it's not. It doesn't mean anything to us, that number. I said, Well, for heaven's sakes, I went to my computer and typed up the number they wanted on each and every single invoice and then sent it to the client and they were paid in I think a week. And they sent me a gift along with the the, the big check. Um, but my boss was like blown away and he's one of the reasons I, I ended up getting a huge bonus that that year because of that um well not just that event but seeing yeah how um i went proactively beyond what i was paid for
0: yeah you again mm-hmm. another phrase i think jim Rohn again is something like if you if you do more than you you are paid for you will in the future be paid for more than you do mm-hmm. and i think true. that's 100 percent true so coming on to the books there uh, we took a little bit of attention there
1: <laughs>
0: talk to me about your books and what you're trying to give out in terms of the message, why you wrote them, and what they're all about?
1: Sure. Um, the first one was a complete mistake. Uh, it, didn't, it wasn't on purpose. I never thought of being an author. But it was about 12, 13, maybe even 14 years now, I was in corporate America. At the time, I was in a position that was really hairy. It was one of those last four jobs I told you about, and it was not a fun experience. It was really difficult working there. And I thought to myself, is this going to be my life going forward? Um, and I started writing a blog at that time just to kind of get out some of the things I was going through, what I was learning from these experiences. And it became known as 101 mistakes and what I learned in business, in this in this case, corporate America. And uh, so I started publishing it online and I got 20,000, 30,000 views of my written blog. And I started getting posts saying, Hey, when's this going to be a book? And I was like, book, um, you know, and some of my friends were like, yeah, that'd be great one day. So anyway, I ignored it. kept going a couple years later. As you know, I started my consulting business podcast and it kept coming up. People kept referring back to my stories and saying, Hey, is that ever going to be a book? And I'm like, nah, I mean, why? And, you know. So anyway, I let it go until I had a ghostwriter on my show. And she said, hey, let me look at some of the podcasts. Maybe we can arrange them into some sort of book that could be helpful to, for people since they were lessons you learned in the corporate world that can be applied to life and business and uh, see what we can do with it. So I sent her my book and she said, okay, I, I could work with you. And if you allow me to co-write with you, it'll be much cheaper than if I ghostwrite it. I was like, all right, because you know I have it written already. So we did that. We chatted and and basically... Um, she took the manuscript from me, did nothing, paid her $3,600. <laughs> Six months later, I find out uh, the book is not written. She just kind of did an edit on on it and then sent it back to me and said, I need more money before we can go forward. And I said, heck no. So it was on the shelf for four more years until I had another woman on who's an editor, has been doing it for copy editor for 50 years, came on the show to talk about her business and said, can I look at your blog or your, your, possible book and I'll see if I can work with you and I said okay but I've already been burned I really don't want to spend a lot of money and she's like well I'll totally proofread edit for a thousand dollars if that works for you but let me look it over she did it worked out she copy edited it with my husband my husband did the um the illustrations in it and basically uh it, it is just that it's my biggest lessons learned from age 20 all the way up to 35 mid 30s of continually going through corporate America and the lessons I learned from job to job and uh, you know where I grew as a person and what mistakes I made and what I learned from each mistake as I went on.
0: Yeah it's something we talked about right at the start isn't it that Mm -hmm. it's better to learn from uh, or or to take some of the mistakes others have made. I'm I'm not an advocate for saying that you have to learn everything from the, the mistakes of others because I think that actually learning from your own mistakes gives you the best lessons. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is you can take a lot of small things that you can avoid in order to get to the big stuff. It's like if, if your parents never told you to, to not put your hand on a hot stove, you would have turned your <laughs> hand. Like little things like that, it's really important. You
1: probably learn it sooner or later, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: exa- exactly. But you might as well be told. But some other things you need to learn from your own experience and I think the fact that people are living their own life, but have requested this book to help learn those other little bits that they want to avoid making the mistakes that obviously you you uh, you made, I think that's really really important. It's a great service that you're obviously providing for people to share your experience, share your wisdom, um, and and obviously help but- people to 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 raise their awareness a lot faster.
1: Yeah, and you know it's interesting? I don't even know if they want to learn. The mistakes for themselves so they don't make it i think it might be more that people when they're reading the blog could identify like oh i've done that yeah kind of maybe oh yeah. my gosh yeah and then on top of it maybe by reading it you'd be like oh i need to work on that Oof, that's a thing for me too so i, I think that's more why people might have resonated with it the stories
0: so is, is the second book similar to the first or is it a completely different genre or type of type of book
1: It's different in that the first book is self-help like oriented, because at the end of each chapter, I actually went through steps I took to work through the problems and issues I, I had. Like people-pleasing was a big thing for me in all parts of my life at at one stage. So I talked about certain things I did at that stage of my life when I was growing to work through those issues after each chapter and exercises that I did that I incorporated in that book that people could try if they wanted and, and try working through some of those things. The second book is strictly because I was in my early 20s, moved out of my own and decided I have to get a roommate. I can't afford to live in Manhattan, New York City, by myself. So one after another, I landed in horrible situations with some crazy individuals sometimes. But also because being naive, I, I, I would put myself in certain situations that were not ideal. And, and now as an you know, older, I would have made, would have made different choices. But this one's, I guess, living arrangement mistakes I made. But it's more coming from a, a comedy humor standpoint, Uh, like, okay, here's some silly stuff I did and I'm going to tell you the story in uh, as humorous a way I, as I can, but also at the end of each chapter, a reflection of what I truly learned from my 53-year-old self, looking back at my 20-year-old self, what would I do differently? What would I tell them today? Hey, gal, here's what you need to pay attention to. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's amazing that, for me, there's there's two types of regrets, isn't there? There's the regret of not doing something, and then there's the regret of doing something and it going wrong. The regret yeah. of not doing something is always a lot worse than the regret of doing something and it going wrong. And I contemplated this for quite some time, and I think that the reason why is because at least if you if you make a mistake by doing something and it goes wrong, you have clarity and you have some empirical evidence of what happened. I think when you don't do something and it's a mistake of obviously not doing something, the regret, sorry, of not doing something, there's there's that lack of clarity of what could have happened and your mind goes into overdrive. Oh, well, what if this had happened and then I've done this and then I've done this? Or what if this had happened? It's that uncertainty that really gets us. It's like mm. with stories, for example, when you hear a story but you never hear the ending, it bugs mm. you because... We have a, our brain has like a, a closed circuit loop essentially where it needs to find the ending before it can sort of shut down that idea. And the fact that yeah. we regret not doing something is because we haven't got a closed loop on that circuit essentially where we mm-hmm. don't understand what could have happened and if we'd been better or worse off at least when we've made a mistake and we've regretted that mistake, we know what happened and we know the outcome and we know we can plan to the future. And I think that's really, really important. Are there any plans for a a future? Sorry, go on.
1: Oh, I was just going to say though, that also going through, I think some people want to play it safe or I won't do that because the risk is too high. Or if I do this, it could be scary. But I, I think sometimes like you even starting your consulting business, uh, jumping off and taking those risks. I mean, maybe there are some neighborhoods I moved in with and some colorful characters. I could have not moved in that direction in my twenties, but it also led to me growing so much as a human being. And, and, and the growth I had in those situations led me to who I am today and gave me the strength to start my own business, write the books. Cause now I meet people and they're like, how do you do these things? (laughs) Podcasts. I'm like, it's it's all because putting yourself out there and not being scared of falling and making a mistake. And I think that's what people say. They say they're scared of success, but they're really scared of falling and and it not working out. But so what happens? You fall, you get back up, you hurt yourself, you clean yourself off and you keep going.
0: Yeah, I think for me, there's two, there's two sides to that. One is that everyone has a different internal calculation of risk and reward. For some people, they see risk as anything that's going to, maybe put them down a peg or two in terms of financial or time or relationship or whatever that's going to be for other people. And those who generally become more successful, they see risk as having no upside. So if you stayed working at McDonald's for 30 years, for me, that's a bigger risk than starting a business because there's no upside. And yes, there's no downside to an extent, you know, McDonald's will probably always be there. You'll probably always have a job. But there's no upside so for me taking no risk is actually a bigger risk than taking some level of risk inherent risk mm-hmm. so so that's the first thing the second is as you said about the fears there are major fears aren't there there is fear of success as you as you've adequately adequately put but there's also imposter syndrome and i think that's a real big one people don't feel that they are worthy of doing something and they don't feel that they are that person um but everyone does have value and it's really important that people have a a, a positive self-image they ha- have good self-esteem so they actually think do you know what i am that person i do know more than i think i know etc etc mm-hmm. and not have that fear of failure not have that fear of success and actually just saying do you know what i'm going to move forward i'm going to i'm going to push forward and i'm going to take everything on the chin it's a bit like as you said you know you didn't plan for stuff too much necessarily you you did plan for it in such a way but when you went through that door other doors opened which you Mm -hmm. don't necessarily or cannot necessarily plan for
1: yeah i think your volume went off
0: does that make sense
1: yeah, absolutely. It, it totally makes sense. And in fact, it's interesting. We, I, I'd love to get your feedback too, Jeeves. But what happened to me at this stage when I had taken some of these risks, especially starting my own consulting biz, is that friends who were coworkers or friends I'd known for years were like, "Have you lost your mind? Have you gone daft? It's like, "Hello, bills. Uh, how are you going to afford your?" I'm like, "I don't expect this to fail." I, and if it, you know, at the point I walked into it, like. How could this fail? I've been doing this forever in in finance and I'm really good. And so I didn't walk into it with the idea I'm gonna fail, but immediately I got thrown at me. Who do you think you are? You wanna be rich or something? I was like, wow, I didn't know you could be rich starting a business. I I wasn't even considering that. I was just thinking about paying my bills. Um, but it was interesting to get that feedback from people. Like we were talking about imposter syndrome. The minute I got that who do you think you are? I started to be like, well, I don't know. I, I just thought I was a person wanting to go out and use my gifts and talents and explore this on my own. Um, But it also took me at that time realizing that there were some people who were not going to follow me into this next stage of my life because they couldn't get where I was going. And for them, like you said, some people just want to know I have this, it's stable. It's not going anywhere. It's better than the supposed upside that could happen by starting something new and exciting and using your gifts in a different way so they, they kind of fell by the wayside and new friends came along and mentors that were able to help me grow and go forward
0: yeah absolutely and I think that that's one of the issues with friends and family and I don't think they mean to do it but because you are close to them they are looking out for your in invert commas best interest because they don't want to see anything bad happened to you, which is why they're trying to avert you away from any level of risk. But actually that's not really supporting where you want to be. And they also have, and this is a human, human trait in, in some respects, they are happy with the current relationship that you have. And if you were to be successful, how would that change the dynamic? Is their self image as good as yours? Do they see themselves as a a regular nine to five person, but you see yourself as a millionaire? Would that mean that you maybe fall out at some stage? Then I'm a I'm a real strong believer in limiting beliefs, and something I said on um, a show as a guest actually that limiting beliefs can be something that is inherited from friends and family. So you've got your own vision. Like Use your example. You had your own vision. You had this huge ambition, but you had limiting beliefs from those around you saying, "Oh, do you want to be rich or something?" As you said, and etc. Cetera, et cetera. You'd have absorbed that and stuck with mm. the crowd as it were you wouldn't have got to where you got to but because you actually had that self-determination the drive the courage the self-esteem to say actually this is what i'm going to do and i will be successful as you said you succeeded to the uh sort of detriment of everyone else in in, in some respects
1: yeah, it's it's interesting because um, I think the hardest part of the transition of growth was letting go of the people that didn't serve my life anymore. Not to say, oh, I don't care about you, but it was like when they had negative naysay and and would be um was down or de- debbies or whatever, to just say, okay, you're welcome to your opinion, but to stop being with them, let you know, and letting them into my life. It, it was we kind of naturally just went about our way but I think the hardest part because I really do care about a lot of the family members or mostly friends and co-workers to to realize we just weren't going to take this trip into the next stage of my life and to be okay with letting them go and and that was the hardest part for me at that time.
0: So how how does that fall into human connection then because I know you you have a, a very strong Uh, viewpoint let's say on human connection and obviously that falls into that doesn't it in in some respects can you talk a little bit about your viewpoint on human connection and the importance of it and what that importance means specifically
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely in fact uh, that's one thing I I touched about in my, my newest book because yes it's a comedy more or less and and speaking about my crazy shenanigans in my 20s but really understanding that it was through all of the difficult moments of my 20s and then later on as I grew and started my own consulting business podcast all of the different moves I went through it was really through the building of relationships and connections with others that allowed me to fully grow like if I hadn't taken up my boss on him, allowing him to mentor me and then hiring another mentor at that time to guide me on moving forward uh, in this new stage. I I never would have been able to find the new tribe that would connect with me and help me grow as well. Um, So it was building those and fostering those relationships and being okay with the old relationship that just didn't fit anymore. Would just fall about, Would just go their own direction. And I didn't need to be upset about it, um, but just to foster the new relationships. So I realized that my greatest growth as a person came from building connections and and uh, human connections, really getting to know a new group of people, um, you know, finding out how um, they thought, because they would see the world in a totally different way. If you go to work every day and you have the same group of friends for childhood and, and you're working in the same place for a long, long time, you all s- sort of have the same train of thought. But when you branch out into a new realm and a new transition, the people you meet are going to have a new way to see the the world. And you have to start to open up your mind and and heart to see how do they perceive the world and what can I learn from them about going forward?
0: It's all about perspective. I use the analogy that if you have a house and a hundred people come in and see that house, they're all going to see different things. Or Mm -hmm. even if you had, let's say, had a party at the house with those hundred people, some people are going to notice, notice the decoration. Some are going to notice the actual build quality. Some are going to notice the, the social interactions, what people are wearing, the the who's going out with who, hairstyles, the, yeah. the, the artwork on the wall, the, the internal decoration, the smell of the food, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So out of those hundred people, everyone's noticing something different. And that's why, as you said, it's important that you are getting different perspectives from different people. And whether that means moving tribes or moving city or moving country or moving industry, mm. whatever that's going to be whatever you yeah. need to do in order to get a, a different perspective. I think that's, that's quite important.
1: Yeah. And I think it's where everything starts that all, all your self-growth, I think also starts with building that human connection with yourself first. And that was a hard, one of the other hard parts for me. When I, my mentor would ask me questions and it made me delve deeper into my own heart and be like, where do I stand with this? And, you know, often, I don't think we often know where we take a stand on things whatever it might be, um, because we never are challenged. We just kind of grow up. We get these ideas thrown at us in school, at home, family, friends. And we never really say, are these my values? Where do I stand on life or this or whatever the the value system might be? Um, but nothing, I think, other than building a business or, or starting your own business and forging your way causes you more to sit back and be like, where do I stand? Who am I? And when yeah. you start being able to really go deep uh, knowing yourself, that allows you to better build, I feel, relationship with others.
0: So do, do you feel that spending time alone is the, the answer to to really get to know yourself? Is it putting yourself in different situations? What is it exactly? Is it laughing at yourself? Um, is it finding <laughs> humor, as you, as you we, we talked off air about? So, for example, there's a couple of phrases that come to mind. One is that if you laugh at yourself, you'll never run out of things to laugh at. And two is the, a Dostoevsky quote. It says the, the cleverest, smartest people I know are the ones that call themselves nearly at least once a month. So does that fall in, into the human connection side in terms of having the ability to laugh at your shortcomings, as it were?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's very important to be able to, I mean, that's basically what this second book's all about. It's a totally humorous take, not making fun of my roommates, but really the silly things I did and the silly situations I got myself into by really not making sound choices sometimes or not thinking things through. Um, And and now just looking back and and having a laugh at it and realizing, okay, this was a big learning experience. If I could tell my 20-year-old self what to do or, or what to look out for here's what to do or or pay attention to next time. But I think even more than that, during all those situations, and even as I keep growing, is is that learning from each person, um, what they have to share with me that could help me grow as a person. Um, Because each person brings their own unique, as you said, perspective. And, you know, it's like, I remember one roommate I lived with, Lambert, he was so awesome. He name changed by the way. That's not his real name. But uh, he's a c- very quiet, studious man. But I'm very at the time when I'm at home, I like to laugh a lot. I like to you know watch comedy, and he just likes it to be very quiet, read a nice book with a cup of coffee and a glass of wine. He's kind of Frasier esque. You know, I don't know if you know that show, but uh, so he's very much like that. Um, but so we're very different because I'm I'm not I wouldn't say I'm all that studious. And uh, but, you know, meeting and, and speaking to him opened my mind to reading literature and uh, paying attention. Well, I loved opera as a kid, but going back to that passion as a kid, listening to opera. Um, so it was through living with him and being with him that opened up some of my mind to some of the other things i could learn about that wasn't part of my life before meeting him
0: yeah i mean sometimes the opposites attract don't they and we can we can learn something from everyone whether we feel mm-hmm. that we are a you know superior to someone in some respects <laughs> doesn't mean that we can't learn something from them mm-hmm. even to cut something first thing that's come to head sometimes those um let's say we're comparing a CEO of for a Fortune 500 company to just an average Joe who doesn't work, whatever. Even something like an attitude to to not take life too seriously and to enjoy the little things in life, like going to the pub for a drink, that is something even you can learn. Taking away all education, for example, just a way of behaving and a way of uh, of operating. Does that come down to self-discovery then? for you as to how you look within yourself to Mm -hmm. to find that again because we have talked about human connection Mm -hmm. with others and that's really come down to being able to self-discover and understand yourself before you can go out and be your authentic self so what does that mean for you in terms of self-discovery and and you mentioned as well recurring patterns can you explain what that actually means
1: yeah absolutely And, and it's interesting uh let's go back where the first book came from was that blog from so long ago. And it was funny because when I first wrote the blog, some of my coworkers were like, aren't you scared? People will see your mistakes and never want to hire you again for a position or it'll ruin your life in some way. And actually writing those blogs down, that blog has now led me to where I am today. I've now written two books, honestly based on making fun of myself and seeing my mistakes and being human and realizing we all, make mistakes and we can we all can grow but um what's amazing about it is realizing that looking at it as a, as a self-growth tool and i know there was something else you asked me and i i lost part of your question say it again
0: um so it was the recurring patterns i think yes and, um...
1: That was it. So uh, what I realized by writing the blog and then years later putting it into a book and then a second humorous anecdotes on my crazy 20s, rooming situations was that in life where you do one thing and have one issue, you're probably going to have it in several parts of your life, whether it's dating scene or work scene or living situation. And one of them that kept popping up for me was wanting to keep things even keel, peaceful and to be a people pleaser at all costs even to the detriment, detriment of myself. So if I could keep things even keel and, and keep things happy with my roommate, I would do that and, and make them happy, but also thereby le- removing boundaries between us. I kind of let them, you know, rock saw over me or, or, or walk a little, you know, looking back, maybe walk all over me in some cases, but it was really because I wanted to keep things harmonious and to keep the living room situation going well without realizing it that this wasn't serving either of us the person I'm living with or the job situation or even a boyfriend situation. Um, I I started to see as I'm writing these stories that this wasn't just in that area of my life. They were playing out in different areas from you know friends and boyfriends and rooming situations, work situations. And now, as I said, the biggest learning experience for me was when I branched out. Started consulting on my own and started self reflecting and seeing what are my values? You know, where do I need to grow as a person? And it was through all of that that I started to see these patterns and work through them. So, my first book actually, there's a number of exercises I was working on to grow through that. Um, one of them was interesting um, to get a, a kind of understanding of who I am as a person. Um, it was I, a book I read years ago, but I picked up the exercise. And to get an idea of what your passion and where you are as far as gifts and desires and things that excite you, one of the exercises I'd read in the book was to sit down and think about things you do automatically that you don't think about that don't cost a penny. It doesn't mean you have to go out there and go you know shopping for clothes, because I do like that. I, I love getting cups of coffee and going out with friends. But what do I do that's totally free that I just totally love doing? And I realized playing with animals. I realized just going for a long walk in the nature, in nature. Um, I realized just having a nice chat with a friend, uh, often going for a walk at the same time, where some of the things and, and human connection, connecting with others, hearing how they're doing, all of those things were free and something I just totally loved. So, you know, doing that exercise along with many others, that one started to peel back the layers of where are the things I'm most passionate about? What do I love? And then later on, that turned into where am I already using that in maybe a work fashion or in you know in an everyday fashion? So that's how I eventually came to loving podcasting, realizing that I love that human connection. I love that connecting with humans and hearing their story and, and all of that. So all of those exercises, that one included kind of helped me lead to discovering my gifts and talents.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the phrases that I have uh, with regards to people pleasing is like, if you wouldn't take advice from that person, why do you care what they think so much? And it comes back to, again, one of the fears. It's fear of being judged by others um, and being viewed adversely as far as they, can, they, they think, essentially. And sometimes it's a case that you feel people are more important than you are. You are. Because everyone's yeah. done, everyone's been through this situation in their life, and it's more of as you said. I think you used the, the phrase exactly: valuing yourself. When you value yourself, then you understand that yes, you can do nice. When no one's, we're not saying to be an idiot and to be horrible to people and to treat people like shit. What we are saying is to value yourself in such a way that you actually want to improve yourself, as opposed to just doing, as you said to to try and please people at the detriment uh, uh, of others and um, the other point that you made i think which is amazing was the mm-hmm. self-reflection and looking at your behavior patterns if you were a fly on the wall how would you view yourself from a, an objective standpoint how would you yeah. actually observe your behaviors and think do you know what Maybe I'm I'm messier than I thought I was. Maybe I don't speak as well as I thought I do. Maybe I don't dress as well as I thought I do. Maybe i hygienic, whatever it's going to be. There could be hundreds and hundreds of things there. What did you notice when you went through that exercise? I know you, you mentioned the people pleasing, but was, was there anything else that yeah. really stood out for you? And how did you change from that to obviously where you are today?
1: Yeah, interesting. Uh, there was another... Um exercise where it was basically if someone were to walk into your flat today and look at everything like a stranger complete stranger and walked in what would they think of you as a person what would there be their thoughts and it was very uncomfortable at first because that you know some of it was a bit messy or whatever I'm like oh what they think uh, yeah so I remember as I was looking at that how would I look at my environment at the time and what would I say as complete stranger about The way I have things strung about or who I have in my life and and some of the things that came to mind I wasn't too pleased with. And I was like, huh, they might think I'm a bit of a pushover because I let my roommate just put everything everywhere and everything's a big mess and I don't ever say anything or, you know, or I keep it hush hush and just to keep peace. And so that was a very uncomfortable moment. but as for the patterns, what I think is awesome is writing that blog initially, and and, and that was just a cathartic thing for myself originally, um, but journaling and then that blog turned out to be a way for me to see these patterns, because before I started writing them down on paper, I never noticed these patterns. I'd be like, oh, I have just had the worst luck. Look at the roommates. Look at the boyfriends I end up dating or stuff like that, or you know, a job situation I get into where the boss is a little hairy. You know, I choose those situations. I who said yes to this job, or I who said yes to going on this date with this guy that turned out to be the guy from hell. Um, It was my idea. So you have to think about what is it about me that keeps making these choices? And through the writing of these stories and my journaling separate from that, I started to see these patterns. And then once I could see them, I could start to work and say, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. Or the next time something came up, I noticed it the minute I was doing it. I'd be on a date go, oh, there, there I go again, just trying to people, please. Just going along with what they want. Uh, so it helps you when you – I mean, I think journaling is a great tool, yeah, even if yeah. you're not a writer.
0: Yeah, I do. I think the accountability that you showed there in terms of, like, it's always my fault – I accepted the job. I'm. Um, I, b- I believe in this hundred percent as well. I chose to 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 hang around with these people. Let's say that they made a mistake and you got caught up. But you made that decision. You might not have made the final decision, but you made a decision that's affected that situation. I think that having that accountability and saying I am responsible for my situation to ninety nine percent of the extent. That's th- the best way to think. Um So what's the future hold for you are you going to continue the podcasts Are you, you've got any other plans for additional books etc and if um if people want to reach out to you where can they where can they sort of find you, your books and and speak to you directly whether it's the financial side whether it's the podcast yeah. etc
1: yeah absolutely um yeah i plan the podcast is going on year 11 and a half over 1500 interviews. So it's not going anywhere. I love doing podcasting. And uh, as for the books, I've been considering that, you know, throughout my entire life, there's been crazy situations, like I I mentioned, just briefly, there, the dating scene that had been crazy situations. So I was considering my crazy roommates, my crazy jobs, my crazy dates, uh, could be a series, perhaps, perhaps, I mean, of course, they're all looking at it from a tongue in cheek uh, perspective of, you know, I'm the one that made the mistakes. Um, Here's what I learned from them, but let's have a bit of humor as we look at some of the mistakes as well. Uh, So that could be in the near future. And of course, anyone who wants to hear the podcast, find out more about me or the books, uh, you can get them on Amazon, my crazy roommate, or having it made, you'll see me on the cover with an airplane. My husband's a pilot. So we flew about the United States in an aircraft that we rented. So that's me on the cover leaning on an aircraft Cirrus. Um so you can get both of those at Amazon or my website at savvybroadcasting.com
0: Fantastic. Well, we'll leave some uh so you need some uh, notes on on the show. Is there anything that you any final messages you want to 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 sort of mention to the guests, something that you maybe we've not discussed?
1: No, but I think the the most positive thing I could say that um we kind of swung to the entire chat was really just lighten up about you know life and yourself and just, you know, maybe do your own bit of journaling and and looking at li- your own life and a bit of humor that you know, some bad stuff might have happened, some good stuff. but where can you learn from the past events and and grow as a person?
0: absolutely absolutely um well thank you very much for for being on the show again christina it's been a pleasure um obviously we'll get the notes on 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 the show and people can reach out to you but as i said thanks again been a great show
1: thank you so much it was awesome meeting you